Chapter 3. Don't read the comments. After graduating from two years in central Pennsylvania, I landed my second TV gig in my home market. Here I got a photographer. Me and the legend himself, Nathan Trump. I mean, Nathan Aaron. Covering York County in a bureau the size of my closet in a car that smelled like house fire and sweat from ten reporters before me. Life was a bit easier here because Nathan shot and edited my work and I got to focus on writing and interviewing. I even got to wear high heels. We rocked it. We were a dream team. We broke a lot of news and looked good doing Lewis it. This was at the airport today to learn more. Amy, Amy Lewis joins us live with that tonight. Amy Lewis reports from York County. But now that I was actually able to focus on being a reporter and not just surviving the ghettos of Altoona alone at night with 50 pounds of camera equipment, I cared a lot about being first, getting the scoop, smoothing the elected officials, you know, building trust. I also got really, really spoiled. Having a photographer every day and a partner that went everywhere I went, I had my own personal sidekick and someone to cry to about my failure of a love life. One day we got an assignment that felt pretty normal. It was in the heat of the pandemic beginnings when we reporters were deemed essential workers and our station's idea of protecting us from COVID was duct taping our microphones to window washer pole extenders that allowed us to interview people six feet away and also looked like a total dumbass in the process. But I saw it as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to report in one of the most historic times in history. The story was this. A local diner wouldn't shut down after the state required all restaurants to operate on takeout only. No dine-in seating. But this diner didn't care and allowed people to dine in anyway. It was national news. I had producers from across the country wanting my coverage and... The pressure was on. I was the only reporter in the market to land an interview with the diner's owner and pulled away too many strings than I was comfortable with to get it. I promised him a fair piece, and I thought I did. But Nathan and I made one stupid mistake that neither of us thought twice about until it was too late. I remember the next day getting a call from our head anchor. Say this isn't true, she said. She was panicked really panicked. She didn't tell me what was wrong right away, only kept a few seconds of silence in the air and responded, you will get through this, Amy. You just have to let it pass and the internet will forget. I panicked. What the hell did I do? At this point, I don't know if someone filmed me slamming down a sixth fireball shot or a private photo went public. It was neither. What happened was, when editing this story about the diner, Nathan and I ran into a roadblock because we didn't have footage from inside the diner. We only had exteriors and an interview. In TV, sometimes editors will use what's called file footage in a piece. File footage sometimes is very generic footage of a certain type of place. It could be people walking in a park in the summer, pews in a church, or close-ups of cop cars. It's file footage that's used when a news piece is lacking visuals. The rule is you put the word file in the top right corner so people know that the footage wasn't actually shot that day in that specific area you may be reporting on. It's just wallpaper b-roll footage. 
we used file footage of inside a random diner, people eating together pre-pandemic. Which was a massive mistake because the owner of the diner saw the piece and didn't know what file footage meant and thought I was trying to purposely display his diner as a place that was cramming people inside in booths and keeping tables close to one another, when in reality, even though they were breaking the rules, they were still keeping people distant and limiting customers. But the file footage we used didn't show that. Angry and outraged, he took to social media. He's a pretty popular guy, and I might add... It didn't take long for his army to attack. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, email, any form of online presence was targeted and destroyed. I couldn't look at my phone because anytime I opened an app, it was a new hate message. Someone calling me something horrendous and dozens of others commenting on how much they agreed. I tried to delete it, but it all just kept coming up. Fake news, fake blonde, fake tits, you get the picture. People actually photoshopped my head on pictures of genitals. Like, wow, people really lacked things to do during the pandemic. Just don't read the comments, my friends would say. Yeah, sure, easier said than done. I could ignore them, but the world still sees this attack. How do you describe to an extreme right group that I didn't mean any harm and try to explain how TV works and hope everyone can understand how it's just a big misunderstanding and, hey, you should actually like me. I tried to be fair. Please, I beg of you, just stop. I'm just a local TV news reporter. But the damage was already done. The verdict was in. I was fake news. Believing I purposely went out of my way to show fake footage from inside a diner to make it look bad was a story that people wanted to believe. The real story, only seen by other reporters who knew what file footage was and the purpose it served. Being the asshole of the internet for a few weeks was really humbling, I will say. And while there's never been a time as extreme as that, the online hate, it never stops. Listen, what I marvel about most is that once upon a time, reporters never had comments to read. They did the report, and then they went home. Viewers couldn't reach them. They could send a letter to the station if they wanted, but that was how you'd have to tell your local news reporter you didn't like how they wore their eye makeup that day or that you thought their tits were fake. Today, reporters are obligated to post on all forms of social media, and in return, we get to read everything you think about our work. And if you're still a person commenting on Facebook, you probably have nothing good to say and think our local news reporter is scheming up ways to make the world worse. Posting a story online feels like walking naked into an active battlefield and asking to be shot down. Just like restaurant reviews, people don't comment if they like your story. They comment to tell you that they think you're a dumbass that eats too many crackers and should lose weight in order to be on their television. Some even stalk you and find out where you live. The point is, the industry has changed. Reporters are often targets, online and in person. The moment I found out that I had a man in my parking lot watching me come home alone at night, but I just decided to ignore it and hold my keys between each knuckle, was when I really should have realized how blinding my own vanity had become.
The truth is I scare myself. How fearless I've become to pursue success. A woman completely fueled by fury. Furious that my dreams led me to sleepless nights watching my security cameras to make sure that my stalker wasn't trying to get in. Furious watching my father nail my bedroom windows shut. Furiously debating if I should buy a gun. Furious that one man in 2016 deemed me the enemy of people and how easily everyone believed it. Furious that I was broke. Furious that I was single. Furious with the internet. Furious how much I worked. Furious at the world. While tasked to wear a smile for thousands to see, ignoring online threats of getting gunned down on the streets. My devoted viewers unknowingly watched my familiar face as I stupidly stood on that camera every night, thinking to myself that making another big TV jump would solve all the problems. When a top 20 offer came my way, I packed up my U-Haul and moved to Denver, Colorado, the city that would see the end of Amy Lewis TV.